almost daily they do team pulse checks, which is particularly important during times like COVID where you're not all around each other and you're spread out. And you know, in some cases, haven't seen each other in person. I'm sure, like there's team members that haven't met. I think they recognize that if they lose someone, I mean, the cost of trading someone up is astronomical. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. I'm excited to share this interview with you today with Nadia Fratantonio and Susan McCutcheon from Parmelo Construction. We talked about the magic that happens when you manage a team from the transformational side of the leadership spectrum. It encourages people to be authentic at work. It allows you to uncover talent on your team, and it's an excellent strategy to retain the best talent. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Hello, Nadia and Susan. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. I am so glad that you are here to share your story. You both work at Pomerlow, Susan in HR and Nadia in Estimating. I would love it if you can introduce yourself and talk about what you do at Pomerlow. So Nadia, why don't you go first? Hey everyone, I'm Nadia. I'm an estimator at Pomerlow. I joined the company, I would say, a year and a half ago. I'm working with everything that involves estimating costs for a construction project. And Nadia, what do you love about the construction industry? What I love is seeing thoughts, like things that is the, in the drawings, they are not so real and they become true after a lot of effort. So it's like a dreaming becoming true. I love it. Thank you. Susan, can you introduce yourself and share what you do at Pomerlow? Absolutely. So Susan McCutcheon, I am the talent business partner here at Pomerlo, almost two years. So as Nadia was one of my earlier hires, I am not from the industry, but I have nothing but awesome things to say. Pomerlo has definitely exceeded my expectations. So what do you think it is about the construction industry? Because you've worked in a lot of different industries in your career, Susan. So what it is, what is it about the construction industry that excites you? It's certainly, I mean, I can't, I can only speak for Pomelo. I don't know about other general contractors, but I will say that like it, you're never going to get bored. That's for sure. No two days are the same. I think it's more, I mean, I come from forestry. I right? I had worked in different sectors and I think it's uh, more progressive than I had expected. I think I imagine it's very like old school mentality, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. Cool. Thank you. Nadia, I know you have a really interesting backstory. So you started your career as an architect in Brisbane, and now you're working as an estimator at a general contractor in Canada. Can you share how you were able to make this transition? Yes, sure. Yes, I worked as an architect for around 10 years in Brazil, mostly with high-rise buildings and healthcare architecture. But I always had with me that to be a good designer, you need to understand construction. So for example, if you go to a project site and you see how a parapet is built, 
it's way easier to put the drawings together, the detail without missing any component. So when I came to Canada five years ago, I said, okay, I think maybe a good way to learn the construction methodology here, because it's way different from my experience before, is spend some time on the construction side. I went to our construction management program in college, and I started to work as an estimator. And it was interesting because I learned quickly how my architecture skills were so an asset for the, for the, the role, being able to navigate through all the drawings, looking to understanding the whole project helps me a lot when I'm working with costs and yes, I've been in love with it. I don't have any plans to come back to the design soon. So here I am. Okay. So you really love the construction side of things. And is it, is it that thing in the design phase, you're like really at the beginning and then you hand it off that you kind of, cause it sounds like you really love the, like bringing it to life and really that concept, like your face just lit up. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah, the thing like the life is what you love. Because when you are putting costs and when you're going through the drawings, most of the time you don't have all the details. So I can exercise my architecture side to imagine to do the correct assumption or the most correct assumption as much as I can. But it seems that it fulfills my curiosity and how things are put together, how it's going to become true, what I'm seeing in paper, you know? So yeah, you're totally right. That's cool. Susan, so I know right now there is an extreme talent shortage in the construction industry for pretty much all positions. Can you talk about some of the strategies that you use to attract and retain the best talent? And I also want to know what made Nadia stand out in the sea of candidates to you? Absolutely. I mean, without question, there is a talent shortage and it is quite the war out there. I mean, I know that uh, our employees are contacted some of them daily with uh, offers. So yes, no doubt <laughs> it's, it's real. Um, in terms of when it comes to attracting, I mean, I think a lot of us are doing the same thing. We're doing the direct reach outs on LinkedIn and whatnot. Right now, especially my, as a business partner, my focus is in retaining. And I think Pomelo does a fantastic job. I mean, we do our five to 10 day check-ins with employees, six weeks, six months to really make sure if there's any issues that are out there with employees that we're identifying them and we're actioning them. I've never worked at an organization that has put that much into like ensuring that employees are happy in their roles. It definitely helps with that we have managers such as Nadia's that are, uh, I've listened to a few, Andrea, of your podcast on transformational leadership. And I think we have managers that they get that. And that's what makes it also when it comes to, when it comes to, to interview that, I mean, we're not putting candidates in front of a wet blanket and HR has to lead it. We have uh, our managers actually want to take the time. And I think Maddie could probably speak more to her experience in the interview process, but uh, it is, I, it does help that we have managers that are looking to move the dial as well. Okay. I have a question about these check-ins because that's really mm -hmm. interesting. So what are some of the things that come up uh, in mm -hmm. these check-ins? Yeah, absolutely. So it differs like depending on which check-in you're doing. And we ask things such as, is the role what, what was described to you at the time of interview? I mean, that's really important. We're definitely not setting our employees up for success if they only talk to HR. I mean, as HR, there's only so much I can speak to about what it's like to be a superintendent on a job site, for instance. Like a superintendent's better to answer those questions. 
And as a result, I think it's pretty progressive in that like for superintendent interviews, we have another superintendent there. So it's a, a peer, a manager and HR. We have all parties there. And yeah, make sure that there's no surprises when they come in. Was it clear in terms of where to go on their first day? Did you have someone to have lunch with? Have you met other members of your team? Things like that on the earlier days. And then when it gets to the six month mark, it's a little meatier. And you can ask things about like work, like work-life balance and make sure that, I mean, if everyone on a certain team is sort of saying the same thing, that they are stressed and working 12 hours a day, six days a week, then we, that's an area that we know that we need to identify and work on because our employees are also our best ambassadors. We do incredibly well through employee referrals. So getting them in the door is one thing, keeping them here when there's such a talent war, because I mean, half the time, if uh, if they are entertaining a call from a recruiter, they're almost halfway out the door because there's always going to be bigger recruiters willing to put more money on the table or what have you. So we need to keep our employees at the point that they're not even really considering they're happy. They feel like they're growing and developing in their role and they're not stagnant. So I love when you talked about this onboarding process, there's like pieces of it. A lot of it is about the culture, right? Like little simple things that do make a difference. Like, did you have, I love that you asked people. Well, if they have someone to have, have lunch with. And do some people say no? Um, well, fortunately, like throughout COVID, we've been okay. Like, as long as the numbers are small, onboard people in small groups in our big boardroom, we could sit six feet apart. But throughout COVID, there was also times that it was complete lockdown. So they were at home. And um, But yeah, like, yeah, it's like little things that, yeah, especially like, it's always sometimes a good nature. It's like unraveling a thread, right? If someone says something, you have to like sort of think like, okay, where does that lead to? Maybe there's more people uh, in this boat and yeah, getting it, like ensuring that our, the, the roles that we're hiring for, it's not due to turnover, it's due to just growth. And that's the way we like it. That's cool. And I love that. I think this idea that you have like this big picture thinking, right? Like when people are coming to you, you're like, you're not going to stop at like, okay, I'll introduce you to someone to have lunch with or, oh, you're working 12 hours a day. Okay, why don't you leave at five every day? Let me just call your manager and tell them that it's okay. Mm -hmm. You're like looking at that root cause, looking at it like, is it happening on the whole team? What's the bigger picture? I love that you look at it that way. It's almost like you're looking at the whole culture. And if something's broken with one person, it probably is like just a symptom of something bigger. Obviously, yeah, like there's work, it adds, it flows. There's going to be times that are busier than others. But yeah, if consistently people are reporting back that they do not feel like their manager is supporting them in their work-life balance and things like that, then we've got to identify that. Okay. So what do you do when something like that comes up? That could be like a big, awkward elephant kind of situation. I mean, again, it's really helpful when there are managers that uh, are receptive to such feedback. Like I, uh, I'm sure Nadia will talk more about her manager, but uh, he does regular check-ins with his team. I think like almost daily they do team like pulse checks, I mean, which is particularly important during times like COVID where you're not all around each other and you're spread out and, you know, in some cases haven't seen each other in person. I'm sure like there's team members that haven't met. I think they recognize that if they lose someone, I mean, the cost of trading someone up is astronomical. If you lose someone at the critical point in a bid or something like that, then again, then in certain roles like estimation, it's not like you can have them work out their notice. They have a lot of really confidential information. You have to walk them and that just opens us up to a massive, uh, Amount of and, I, and I just to complement what Susan is saying, like my I started in January 2021 and 
we were on lockdown and my, my manager made sure that we had daily meetings with the team. So it, it made easier to get familiar to everybody on the team. And one of his goals this year is to improve our, the team work-life balance. So. Oh, it, I love that. I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yes. But he's always worried about it. Uh, we know we are a small team. We're growing and he. We sometimes it happens. We have to. We are really busy. We have deadlines to meet. But uh, it, if it's a concern for him, it's something that he's thinking about. It's it's the start. It's the beginning, right? Okay. Yeah, it uh, it's really interesting. It sounds like the, the talent shortage. Everybody, it's stressing everybody out. But it sounds like from what both of you are saying is that it's like it's not an HR issue. It's not the manager's issue. It's like literally everyone in the company's issue. And we're all going to work on this together. Like we're going to make the team environment the best it possibly can be. We're going to together work on our work-life balance so that people want to stay because like, I think it sounds like, like everybody's kind of doing their part to work on retention, which that sounds really cool. Like you're all kind of aligned on the same page that that's really important and working towards that together. And yeah, it's, uh, that sounds really awesome. So my second question is, Susan, I remember when Nadia, that's how I met you through Nadia. And I remember when Nadia started, you were like, we're so excited about Nadia. She has this like architecture background. We've never hired someone like her before. Can you just describe kind of the process you went through in kind of identifying Nadia and kind of like this, I don't know, this secret sauce that Nadia brings to the table that you kind of allowed her to unleash. Absolutely. And I think Nadia could speak more from the technical perspective. I'm always cognizant as, as it's HR. I, I, I'm not in the, I don't know the, the ins and outs of uh, the day-to-day, -day, but uh, I know that the drawings that estimators receive, uh, and this is not unique to Pomerleau, I think it's industry-wide, they're, they're lacking and ever more so lacking more and more details. And someone with an architecture background is able to look at those drawings and realize what's not in them, that maybe they're not taking into consideration when they are estimating. And I know that Nadia's manager has said that he has full faith that she's not going to miss a single thing. If there's people on the team that they're going to get 90% of it, Nadia is going to get 100% of it. Like she, uh, the devil's in the details, I guess. And uh, having an architecture background allows her to recognize what details are not in the drawings. And, and I would say even to navigate to drawings because sometimes they're just focused on a piece like in the floor plan or maybe on the elevation, but there is like small pieces here and there in different sheets. That's quite hard to, but if you, if you are familiar with the whole process, you'll know where to, to find the piece of information. And it's funny because after I was hired, I asked my manager, hey, how did you find me? Like, are you, did somebody told you that I was looking for someone that would value my architecture science? And no, I just thought to myself that having an architecture could be an asset to the team and Susan just talked to. So was it random that you found, because I think you found Nadia on LinkedIn, right, Susan? Yeah, absolutely. I will. And another thing that I'll like tip my hat to Nadia's manager is the, the, his value of diversity. He, um, I one of your earlier podcasts, Andrew, when you talk about transformational leadership and like the like hiring that takes place in certain times, like he, you look at Nadia's team and it is really and truly the United Nations in there. And I think he recognizes if you're just hiring people such as yourself, 
like with like, let's say a, a civil engineering background, if you have a team and everyone's all 20 of them are civil engineers, then they're not all catching the same thing. And each person is going to like, regardless of background, bring unique and diverse ideas. And I think as a result, they've really benefited from having such a diverse group. Okay, that's cool. So Nadia, what was it like for you to kind of go through that interviewing process, that onboarding process, and see this thing that like nobody really like praised and asked you about this like architecture background, but now all of a sudden it became like your secret weapon and people wanted it and people thought it was like brought like this extra lens to the table like just tell me what it felt like to go through that process it was rewarding and empowering because when we moved to another country in my case i decided to go to the construction industry i knew that i had to learn a little bit just to take some steps back but at the same time we did on a cancel 10 years of my professional life and things from the beginning, from that, during my first couple of years working as an estimator, I saw that I always had to prove myself, that prove that architecture background could be an asset, I could add value to what I was doing. And when Susan called me, said, yeah, we're just looking someone, we're looking for someone like you, I couldn't refuse, I couldn't say no to the interview. And even during the interview, when I met Marius, my manager, the whole conversation was, was this smooth. There were no, a lot of those behavior questions that you have to train yourself to respond. They were interested to learn about what I knew, what I had done before. And one thing in particular that clicked me a lot, especially with my manager is he said to me during the interview that when he's hiring people, he looks for people that can be themselves. So I said, oh my gosh, I never thought I was I was looking for that and I didn't know until that point. It was really good. That is really cool. That is really cool. Thank you for sharing that, Nadia. So Susan, I'm so curious. I want to understand more from an HR perspective because I remember a couple months after you hired Nadia, you're like, Andrea, we're actually looking for more people with architecture backgrounds to join this team. So it actually became like a profile that you are actively searching for. Can you tell me how that kind of went about? Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It's that feeling that you don't deserve to be there and you don't know what you're doing. At any moment, people will reveal that you're a fraud and that you don't belong. Until recently, imposter syndrome was considered an internal problem, something that's in your head and it was up to you, the individual, to solve this problem. I wanna tell you today that this assumption is wrong. There is new research that explains why imposter syndrome is a systemic issue and not an individual problem. We've created a free report exploring the evidence and providing strategies companies can use to address this. Here's the truth. If you're a woman in construction, imposter syndrome is not all in your head. Get the report at ambitiontheory.ca forward slash imposter. Well, again, with Marius being open-minded as he is, like he himself was not originally from Canada. His backstory is incredible. Like one of those like you can't help but get enthusiastic, like hearing it. Originally from Cameroon, I went to study in the States and I was like, how did you end up here? Like originally his first job in Canada was delivering pizzas. And he has this great story about another senior estimator on uh, Nadia's team who told him in the interview process, he's like, I'm not really good at selling myself. He's very nervous, stuttered, et cetera. And he said to Marius, he's like, I just need someone to take a chance on me. 
And Mario said he, it reminded him of his first job in Canada and having that same sentiment, like, I just need someone to take a chance. And Marius is so happy he did. He's like similar to Nadia, but nothing but a massive success story to us. So I think the open-mindedness and willing to really, as, as Nadia says, when we take people on, some people are just really good at interviewing. You can like practice and like, yes, of course, like they ace the interview and then they show up day one. It's really, you know, you're like, oh, I was fooled. Um, so like taking the time to like truly understand people and make it conversational, like it's just as much the questions that they ask as it is that you ask. And uh, I think um, with regards to Nadia, like when he, the, he, the fit was there, the authenticity, obviously it's a value of Palmer Lowe and it's clearly something that it's something that resonated actually. Marius talks about his interviewing days and how he valued his authenticity, Nadia the same. And uh, yeah, I think uh, the fit was there and that seeing how Nadia just hit the ground running from day one. It's like, oh, wow, we, the, clearly the architect thing was a thing. We need to like, rather than screen people out that maybe don't necessarily have the exact skill set that you're looking for, but the fit is there and that you can, they're keen like to take on more. I mean, you look at when Nadia started, the, it was very flat in terms of uh Marius's team, everyone reported up to him and recognizing that, you know, if people want to take on that people management component, which Nadia did, let's have them manage like more junior team members. And yeah, like, so he looks for more the, the appetite, the, the willingness, the want, like that type of thing. Cause you can't teach that. That's just innate in the person, the technical skills you'll get there. Like in he's all about developing we have a strong training and development team here that you can teach but the the other stuff that's just you either have it or you don't okay i am so curious about this because like you brought up the transformational leadership it sounds like this leader and this entire department is like fully on the transformational side of the spectrum whereas i think the most the majority of estimating departments like in canada would be more on the transactional side because it's so deep. The details are so important, right? It, the stakes are really high if you make a mistake on an estimate. So those technical skills are actually really important, but the values of this team is fully on that transformational side of the spectrum. Has there been any challenges that come up? Because when you're hiring people, it sounds like you're not going out. I need someone with 15 years experience. I need someone that has built this hospital or done this type of renovation. Like you're not looking, it sounds like so much for those technical skills, but like, tell me, have there been any challenges come up because of that? I think uh, Nadia definitely like jump in here. I think like, for instance, with our intern recruitment, Nadia, we were side by side doing that. And she can pick up on things like the um, having, yeah. I think it's the danger comes when it's just HR in the room. No, but I, I understand your point, Andrea. And I think, uh, okay, just uh, to, to give some background, the Toronto estimating team, we are a small team. We're trying to grow our area of work here uh, in Toronto in GTAA, which is the uh, gray area here in uh, in the city, and sometimes even if you if you focus on the transformational leadership, uh, we still look for for senior estimators. We have two senior estimators in your in your, in our team. 
one of them we hired last year, I think Sen. We got Sen last mm -hmm. year. Yeah, she came to the team. So sometimes, yes, you look for senior estimators, but at least for the estimating market, I would say it's so uh, tough to get new people and good people with a lot of experience. Sometimes, since we are in this beginning, we are not like a big structure team. We can choose to select intermediate to junior estimators and get them in the, in the Pomerlo's way and let, let them learn and, and we can grow together. So we are now in the process of growing together. We have a few senior estimators, but I would say maybe this is not a big issue because of the moment that we are right now as a, as a team, as a company here in Toronto. Okay. That is so cool. I just, it just sounds like the team is so in a, like, just like you're working towards making work-life balance, but it's like, let's work to elevate the technical skills of the team. It sounds like if one person really is strong in those technicals, they're teaching the other people and you have the robust training program to like get people up to speed. Cause Susan, you did say you can teach them the technical skills, but you can't really, it's really hard to teach. It's harder to teach people tech, like the transformational skills than it is to teach them those technical skills. And yeah, don't get us wrong, like we're definitely struggling to find the senior estimators with those technical skills. But the first question that Marius asks in those interviews is their sense of like their thoughts and feelings on mentorship and their experience with it, because he wants someone that isn't just a I love Marius like his expression like we win as a team, we lose as a team. And he doesn't want those people that it's like, I did this, I won this. Like now, like you brought the team up so that they're like the teach a, someone to fish type thing. Oh, I love that. So it's like the skills and the technicals in the skills in the department, they actually, it's expected that you share them with everybody else. So you really, if people are uncertain on that can, side. Can I add something on that? Yeah, go ahead, Nadia. <laughs> and that is so true. It's so, I would say natural, maybe because various push to, to this, uh, but I think it's been like a couple of months now. Uh, we realized that we have estimators from different backgrounds. Someone it's, has more skills related, I don't know, to excavation. There is another one that has a lot of knowledge related to uh, structure, foundation. We have someone that's really keen with Excel and advanced formulas. So we decided to have, we call it Friday session. And those Friday sessions, like 30 minutes that we can share a topic with everybody. So we are trying to level the team and groom together and don't mind. Like, it, it, it's, it's funny. It's exciting for us to share. And we know that doing this, we will become strong and we're going to fill the gap about the technical skills that we are. Oh, it's pretty cool. I love that. And also just like some background from like the science of it, like for adult learning, when you teach someone else a skill, that actually reinforces your own learning and takes your own expertise to the next level. So I love that you are doing this in your department. Did that happen organically? Kind of, because I think it was this and I think I suggested, if I'm not wrong, because I started to see, okay, in our department, we don't have uh, one person doing, working on the same specific task for scope every project. So we try to rotate to help to develop the others, uh, envelope, facade, drywall, excavation. And I started to realize that if I'm not used to do a specific scope, when I started to do, I have to start from scratch. So if, if I talk to somebody, if I like, learn from somebody, but the obstacle, what they, the item that they, they, they say, say they cannot miss, it's going to be easier for us to go 
and together for me to do, I won't bother that person anymore. So I suggest, and then it was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. We can do that for sure. And then becomes a thing, like we are in the end of this round from everybody going like at least once, present something. And then I, I just sent one of the meetings that I know we should keep doing this. It should be like a, a become a traditional thing, you know, just like half an hour on side and then, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love that. So Nadia, congratulations on your promotion, managing people on your team. I'm curious if any challenges have come up for you as you've gone from that individual contributor to now like leading a team, especially in kind of a challenging time. So I would say... Initially, most of my challenges were related to being working from home, not being in contact with everybody in the company. Because even as an estimator, it's really nice when I had the chance to chat with a project manager or project director or somebody that was on site and um, learn from them things that I, I need to, to include in the estimates. And the other challenge that I face and I, I try always to overcome is everything is related to the lack of my my lack of experience on site, because I'm not a site. I don't have all my professional experiences related to, to op-eds, design, coordination, but not living the daily basis on site. So excavation, project logistics, things that I need to bring to build my knowledge about. So then that's the, the diversity that we are, the good thing that we are exchanging. So. For me, the challenges are more related to those technical skills. And when leading complex projects, I think it's a challenge, but it's like a challenge, right? You're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You are learning the process while the process is happening. So I don't think all the challenges are, are, are bad. I love it. Because <laughs> absolutely, that's where the growth happens. And that's where you're stretched. And that's where I think... For you, Nadia, I'm seeing like your natural leadership abilities shine through, right? When you get uncomfortable, when you're doing that thing, when you're like pushed to do something that you haven't done before, that's where you rise to the challenge and your natural skills come out. And you're in this environment that encourages you to lean into your natural skills. So I wouldn't say it sounds like it's easy, but I think it's this environment has really set you up to shine and like be that leader on your team. Totally agree. Totally agree. I never thought that would make a difference because I didn't have such experience before. But when you get it, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, that, that makes the whole difference and helps you to be, to shine, to be more authentic for sure. And so I have one last question. So if there's people listening, because there is this talent shortage and they don't have necessarily, they don't necessarily tick the boxes on the, you know, job description list of requirements. Like what, Natalia, from your perspective, what could you, what, what would you say to them to like encourage them to, kind of get out of their comfort zone and give it a shot. You're talking about the people that is looking for different roles. Or yeah, someone who wants to go into to get a job in construction, but may not necessarily have the traditional technical skills. I would say um, try to explore what you are passionate about and try to understand how you can use this in the construction industry. And you can talk, you can do that work and talk to people people to learn about. If you want to be a project manager, what is exactly the role is. Uh, if you want to be an estimator, what uh, the tasks that you have to do, or if you want to go to site. And once you understand those roles, you can match whatever you're passionate about and try to transform and sell you this way. Because it's important to sell yourself how you want to be, how you want to be seen. It took me for a while 
to to realize that all the the literature theory training that we did together was pretty cool helped me a lot but i i definitely encourage people to yes try to link whatever you did before whatever you like to do or whatever you're passionate about to the role to the place that you're looking for okay i love it Susan, how about you from an HR perspective? If people are like, I'm curious about construction, but I don't really have the skills that are on the job description, how can they go about um, getting a foot in the door? I think again, like 3% like open-mindedness is definitely key. A colleague of Nadia's also, it was, don't be afraid to do the reach out on LinkedIn. I, it was a complete random reach out and give him a call on my drive home. And I, I, there was just the fit. Like it was like, again, I did not get into the technical questions. I saved those ones for the experts. But I told Nadia's boss, I was like, there was something about this guy that I just, I really, I, I see it. And there wasn't a full-time role available to him at the time, but he was willing to take on an internship. And of course, things worked out. Like he is thriving on the team now. And again, getting, getting and keeping that good talent. Someone else from his master's program is now joining our team. Like it's really, yeah, like it's the, the, what you get them, you keep them happy, you keep them growing. I mean, Maddie, I think she expressed like some interest in them and innovation. And she was all of a sudden with the VDC coordinators on something and everyone it, it's expanding on people's existing networks. I know everyone says a good talent knows good talent, but like I'd say the upwards of 50% of our um, hires are referrals. Oh, that is really cool. Okay. So this is my last question. We always, and you both done coaching with us. So, you know, every coaching ends with the 24 hour action and every podcast episode ends with the 24 hour action so that when people are listening, they can actually apply what they learned today from this episode. And the key takeaway for me is authenticity. You said literally it's in the culture. You encourage people to bring their whole selves to work. So if someone is like, you know what, I want to be a little bit more authentic at work, what's a good action that they could take either today or tomorrow? So within the next 24 hours. I would say from the management side, I think if you as a manager, as a leader, if you can learn from your employees or your team and ask questions about what they used to do, what are their background. And once you understand, you can create space for that. You can open space for that. Like when my manager told me that he saw that I like technology, I like to improve processes. I know you need to work with the innovation team and help estimating to grow. So on the management perspective, I would say, yes, definitely ask questions, learn and know about your, your team, your employee. That way you'll be able to create those space. On the employee side, whenever an, an opportunity that comes up, Talk about yourself. Talk about what you're passionate about and take any opportunity that comes up to you. I love it. Talk about yourself and take <laughs> opportunities. Thank you, Nadia. How about you, Susan? What's like one thing people can do to be more authentic? Can, the question might think of me, I, you know, I love Brene Brown. And she talks about how we respect and we love when people are their authentic self and are vulnerable, but we ourselves, we're so shy to do it. I think just reminding ourselves that the magic is in when you are slightly uncomfortable, put yourself out there, like have a conversation with someone that it goes beyond just talking about, oh, I can't believe it's already like Thursday or like, oh, this weather, it's like spring. Like, get to know the person, like ask them questions. Because people like 
Yeah, I think we work way too many hours to not be our authentic selves at work. Yeah, I love that one. Okay, so how do people connect with you? Is LinkedIn the best way? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as that is proof that uh, LinkedIn is a great method of connecting with people. And uh, I'm definitely on there multiple hours a day. So, LinkedIn as well, for sure. People can reach out to me, we can connect and maybe have conversations. I know I like a virtual call for something. Awesome. And I'll put the links in the show notes. And how do people learn more about Palmerlow? Palmerlow, just go to our site, palmerlow.ca. Uh, there's also our careers page there. And as mentioned, don't hesitate to reach out to myself directly. Should there be a specific position that is of interest. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your wisdom with us today. I am so honored that I got to interview you. I've been hoping to do this for months and I'm so glad we got to make it happen today. So happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having you.